Good day, everyone. It's Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day or whatever you call the 14th of the month of February. Uh, I am here to bring you my episode with Alec. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I am outside a Dunkin' Donuts this morning where they're actually playing the uh, Dunk Kings ads inside with Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller, with Ben Affleck and, um, and Matt Damon. And yes, those were the best, in fact, ads of the Super Bowl. No question about it. Anyhow, uh, today's episode, did I say hybrid fitness media podcast? I'm sorry, I was distracted. People are walking by. What do you want from me? Welcome to the Hybrid Fitness Media Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Matt B. Davis. And as I said, Alec Blennis, who I have known since we tried to trace it back, we did a race together in July of 2012. So I've known him since at least then. And perhaps before that, I met him. Uh, but that's 14 years, uh, almost 14 years. Uh, I met him when he was but a teenager. And I think we cover some of our previous life uh, as obstacle racers together. And uh, kind of his journey from, you know, when I met him going for his master's to what he is now, which is a OG in the uh, hybrid strength and speed kind of world. Someone who can kind of do anything at any time. And he's just a good dude. And I like talking to good dudes. Certainly, he has good information. And you should check him out for that reason if you want someone to train with or learn from. Uh, but also just a good person, which I think is the most important thing, right? People you want to hang out with, people you want to talk to. At a racer in life. So let's get to it. Alec, Blennis, and I. Away we go. All right, we're going to dive right in because I have so much to talk to you about. We kind of tried to record. Was it in Chicago that we talked or tried to talk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, and that was already a handful of years ago now. That was maybe, uh, what, 2021 or something like that? 22. Yeah. And I remember wanting to talk to you about like old OCR stuff. And you were like, I don't remember any of that. And I was like, you're so much <laughs> younger than me, dude. You have to be able to remember it because I don't. Um, but you're on this show. Uh, this is the hybrid fitness media podcast. This is my less than a year old show, a branch and offshoot of my media empire, which uh, you know very well, which once upon a time was Obstacle Racing Magazine. And then obstacle racing media and uh i've just been following you uh as a guy that knows you for so long and as a fan of hybrid and you know there's so there's kind of so much to talk about with you i kind of don't know where to begin one is i don't know that i've seen someone put out like so much information via instagram and i guess my first question is why do you do that why do you just like type paragraphs and paragraphs and give away really valuable information. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've enjoyed talking about my training, talking about races, et cetera, since as long as I've had a platform to do so, like when I started in uh, the OCR world back in like 2011, I don't know what called me to do it. I just wanted to write about the preparation, the races, I wrote race reports. I just kind of like putting something on paper. Um, and back then I didn't really have much of an audience. I just kind of put it out there. Um, but like Spartan Race ended up noticing, I ended up getting to write um, for them a little bit. I wrote the Wikipedia page, the original uh, wiki page for obstacle course racing. I just like writing. Um, and so I, I enjoy having a platform to do so. And kind of fast forward to present day, um, you know, Instagram is blown up. YouTube is blown up with, with fitness content. And um, no disrespect intended, but most of it just total garbage. <laughs> like there's so many 
charlatans out there, uh, you know, peddling misinformation about fitness, um, just to, you know, sell a supplement or sell a program. Um, and, and not that there's anything wrong with making money. You know, I make money on my page as well, but I get really, really annoyed at just the, the mass amount of, of just terrible content out there. And I want, I want to do something better, offer something better. And I think it's hard to do that, you know, in just one post, one simple, easy to digest kind of clickbait headline. Um, so I do a lot of longer form content, you know, paragraph content. So inevitably, whenever I make content, I get someone in the comments, like, you know, not reading all that, bro, or whatever. Um, and I, I think it's a testament to people's short attention span and kind of the problem with, with uh, maybe not society at large, but at least the health and fitness industry is people want everything to fit into these uh, five, 10 second snippets instead of being able to, you know, read something for two or three minutes that might actually benefit them in the training. Uh, well, you and I are, are, I guess, more similar than I thought, because that's honestly why I do what I do. Like, I'm, I, like you, think most of the stuff on the internet is garbage. And, like, people who think they're funny who aren't funny, people who think, like, whatever. Um, uh, and I watch, I watch a, lot of, a lot of fitness stuff, too. And my question, I guess, next is there's this idea about feeding the algorithm, right? And mm -hmm. while if that's all you do, like, it's not real and you won't be happy, you have to do what, what works for you and what makes you happy and what comes from your heart. But a little bit... I feel like is okay. So for example, when I made this world's toughest mutter documentary uh, last year, end of last year, I said, I'm going to shoot my shot. I know we worked really hard on this. And if I call it world's toughest hundred mile race, it will probably get more clicks than if I just call <laughs> it 2022 world's toughest mutter. Yeah. And uh, I was right. And when we started seeing comments from the trail community, that was like, that's bullshit. This isn't that hard. Barkley's harder. I knew I'd done something right. But I also had yeah. Jeff and I made something really good that I knew would back it up. And people watched it. And then more people watched it. And so it's got like 100K something, which isn't millions. But hey, it's the biggest thing we've ever done. And uh, the problem is if I'm going to make another one like that, what do I call it? Like, again, the world's <laughs> toughest? Like, yeah. like, like we just like we're covering this ultra race and we're trying to figure out what to do there. So anyway, for someone like you – there is a lot of fucking noise. You're not just competing against, you know, fucking Hunter and Craig Ritchie and the and the, and the billions of guys and Nick Bear. It's not just those guys you're competing against. It's literally everything else on the internet, right? <laughs> so yeah. much shit gets uploaded on a daily basis. I'm getting to a question. Trust me. So you're right. You will get the people that want to find you by putting up. But but do you think about that stuff? Do you think, well, let me put a posing picture and call it shredded abs? Or do you do anything like that? <laughs> Sure. I mean, you know, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, you know, how it's supposed to be received. I'm not going to put something up that I think is is bad information or anything like that. Um, but I think you have to carefully balance uh, what what some people call kind of high versus low IQ posts okay. or top of the funnel versus bottom of the funnel um, strategies, right? So you have kind of top of the funnel where you're just going for clicks, you're going for views, and you have bottom of the funnel where you're kind of making the the content a little bit more higher quality, a little bit more engaging and, and maybe funneling people towards a purchase or something like that. And I think most people don't get that balance achieved very well. They're too far on one extreme or the other. So they're either getting a ton of, you know, clicks, views, whatever, with something kind of clickbaity and you dive deeper and you're like, well, it's just a bunch of shit in here. Like, just, and then, and then they're out. Um, so right. And then other people, they make, you know, a bunch of really, really great 
high IQ content, like really great information, but they don't have anything to get people there in the first place. So they're just like sending out this great information into the void. Um, so you really got to strike the balance between the two and, and have a good funnel and kind of way to direct people. Um, so I try to think about that, you know, am I balancing um, both of those two things? And it's, it's sort of like the, the idea of being well-known versus known well. You want to try to strike that balance between both of those two things. And I think a lot of people are so focused on being well-known that like, yeah, they might have 100, 200,000 Instagram followers or whatever. And then they, they whine about the fact that they can't monetize anything. And they're like, I have 200,000 followers and my engagement sucks and I have I can't sell a product. And it's like, well, because your stuff is just low IQ clickbait shit. Like there's nothing of substance actually there. Um, so you really have to do both. Uh, and I think a lot of new people in the industry, they're trying to kind of get their foot in the door. They see what someone like me is doing or a lot of other that I call good creators and they start pumping out like really good quality content. And they're like, why isn't it working? Like, well, nobody gives a shit who you are. So you can't just put out good content to the void and then whine about the algorithm. You have to have both. You have to give people a reason to care about you. And then you have to have good content on top of that. And most people just get, they get pulled too far to one side or the other. I feel like we should have talked much sooner, Alec. I had no idea you were this insightful about this stuff. <laughs> we're definitely going to talk offline about this stuff. Um, I love it. Well, because I, I really like known well versus well known. And I don't want to make this all about me, but I know you know me. Like, like I, you know, I've said, you know, obviously I know you since you're a kid and blah, 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 but you've known me this whole time too. And when people first started coming up to me at races, right? So you and I, met in 2012 and started doing obstacle races together and people would come up and say, Hey, I love the podcast. And they'd also say, Hey, I love what you're doing for the sport. And I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think, I just thought I want to talk to these people about this stuff. Right. I was fascinated by Joe DeSena. I was fascinated by all the elite athletes. I was fascinated by obstacle racing as a sport. It was this like new life for me at age 40. Right. And I just like, Oh, like people, this really like gets to be like, something's going on. Like I am no, cause like people ask me like, Oh, did you know podcasting was, it's like, no, I did not know that podcasting was going to become a thing. Right. So yeah. like, it's like they say when someone comes up to you and says something really sweet like that, it's like, thanks for what you're doing for the sport. And like that and a dollar gets you like a Taco Bell meal. Right. So <laughs> I feel like I have had a harder time and it took me a long time to even think about doing the slightest clickbaity thing because I was like afraid to. And I, I think there is, I think, there is this healthy balance and I'm probably still not there, but I'm always impressed with people like you that figure out how to do that. It, it takes a long time. And it certainly took me a long time to kind of understand that balance. Cause I think for a long time I was on just the kind of bottom of the funnel bias of making good content, but it wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I think a big part of it and people always undervalue in-person relationships and like real one-on-one -on -one connection, right? So if you're just getting started on Instagram, for example, and you're like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to start from scratch on Instagram, but you don't actually know anybody for real. You don't talk to anybody for real. You don't DM people back and forth one-on-one. -on -one. It's really hard to get people to care. Uh, and so if you have that as a foundation, if you have actual like real human being individuals who care about you, who like your content that you talk with directly, they are so much more likely to to like and comment and share and engage with your, your stuff and share your stuff, recommend you to others. And that's really the foundation of, of becoming well-known in the first place. And I think people just skip over that. They'll just put the content out there and be like, love me, you know, whatever. And it's like, no one knows who you are. And it, it starts 
on the individual level. I still have people, you know, I, I put out a post yesterday and I got people commenting about how they've been following me since the OCR days, or they met me at a race back in 2013 or whatever. And like those people continue to drive my page today. And if I hadn't been at races meeting people, if I hadn't been talking to people, like those people wouldn't be there. And it's still an extremely important part of my my page, my business, my income. <laughs> you know, here we are 11, 12 years later, almost 15 years later from when I got started in the industry. And those relationships that I made with real people 15 years ago still kind of fuel things today. When did you start working with uh, CHP, Complete Human Performance? I think that was 2014. Um, my dates could be a little bit fuzzy, but I think it was 2014. And how did that all come about? And what is your what is your current relationship? Yeah, so I'm, I've been talking about relationships for a little bit, but it was it was the same kind of deal. So I've been becoming more well known in that that particular industry, obstacle course racing, um, you know, three Spartan race and whatnot. I've been podiuming, podiuming at a lot of races. Was on the Spartan Pro team, and I was documenting that journey. So I was writing a lot about you know, race reports, race strategy, training strategy, that kind of thing. Um, not anywhere on the, the scale that I am today, um, but people liked it. And I was becoming known at races. People would come up and be like, hey, I, I like your stuff. I read about how you trained for this. I thought it was cool, whatever. Uh, and I had a conversation like that with uh, Elise Figalski, who I shared a podium with at the New Jersey Spartan race in like about 2013, 2014 or something like that. So I shared a, a podium with Elise and we were talking. And I had no idea that she at the time was involved with complete performance, but I guess that interaction, uh, you know, the relationship that we made there kind of got back to Alex at CHP. So he kind of was aware of who I was. And then later on, I ended up uh, to try to just learn more. I took Alex's first educational course. Um, so learning how to be a, a hybrid athlete um, from the goat himself, I'd say one of the, you know, the, the grandfather of hybrid training, um, and as part of that course, you know, you had to write sample programs and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I aced the test. Apparently, they liked the programs I put together um, back then. And, um, you know, kind of knowing who I was through release and then my performance in the course, Alex was like, hey, we see OCR as kind of a growing industry. Uh, we think we should have a coach on staff with some some OCR background. Um, you know, would you like to, to come on board and work with some obstacle course athletes? Because they had been getting more people coming to, to complete human performance saying, hey, I want to train for a Spartan race or whatever. So it's like, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. So, um, you know, I started doing that primarily working with just OCR athletes. Um, but then it just grew from there. Like I started working with military personnel, you know, there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, and then slowly and steadily just kind of grew and grew and grew until I was working with all sorts of people. Um, so now I've been with, with CHP for 10 years. Um, you know, I have a bunch of other, uh, kind of coaching avenues as well. Um, but CHP has been been fantastic, and it's been a pleasure to learn from from Alex and the whole team there. So you so you do coaching that's just under you, right? And coaching yes. for them. Yeah. So if if people you know just kind of find me independently and they're like, hey, I, I want to coach, I'm I'm happy to work with them. A lot of people find me through CHP, or I get referred. Uh, they're referred to me through CHP, um, and then I have programs for sale. Like I have my Sex and Zombies team subscription. So for people that don't want a one on one coach. Um, they can buy my uh, subscription for like 29 bucks. I have some more programs coming out later this year. Uh, so a lot of different ways uh, that people can work with me, whether it's one-on-one -on -one programs, et cetera. Well, we're going to get to Sex and Zombies because I think it's the greatest marketing tool. I think it's the greatest name ever. I think it's genius. 
uh, <laughs> it's what made me have a call with you because we were trying to get a call for years, and I was like, "Sex and Zombies, genius!" Immediately get it. Um, but <laughs> I do want to back up a little bit because I knew you as um, uh, Georgia Tech uh, student, um, and you got a degree. And did you did you ever get a job in that field? I don't want to say did you ever use that degree because I'm sure you're using it. Your brain clearly like you learned stuff. But did you ever? You got an engineering degree, right? Physics, physics degree, physics degree. And then so I don't know how you've made a living for the last decade. Obviously now you're coaching, <laughs> but I know you were just yeah. like you and your wife are like living in Hawaii, living the dream. Like that's kind of what I see in your posts. So. What what the hell have you been doing? Like, what'd you start doing in 2015 yeah. or 14 when you graduated? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I uh, graduated uh, Georgia Tech in 2016, uh, I believe, with a degree in physics. I've been doing some undergraduate research and, and things of that nature, uh, astrophysics department, super boring. Um, and I started to to have this realization that while I liked physics, I liked science and, and, and that sort of thing. I didn't like it as much as people who really liked it. <laughs> you know, you go to go to high school and you're like big fish in a small pond, smart guy and whatever. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to grow up and be a scientist. It sounds great. And then you get to a school like Georgia tech where there's like really smart people who really like physics. And I'm like, Oh, that's what, that's what it looks like to really be passionate about something. Um, you know, up to that point, I just was kind of going in that, that direction because I was smart. I was good at it, whatever. Um, but to see the difference between being good at something and being passionate about something um, was kind of eye-opening. And luckily at that same time, you know, I'd been racing on the Spartan Pro Circuit through college. I had started coaching with um, complete performance and I really, really loved it. So I got to be exposed to something that I was truly passionate about, that I wasn't just good at, but I was actually passionate about. And I had to decide, like, do I want to keep doing this thing that I'm good at and can potentially make a lot of money with? you know, getting a, an advanced degree in, in a science, or do I want to keep doing this thing that I'm actually passionate about? And at the time, I had no idea what my earnings potential would be. I knew personal trainers tend to not make a lot of money. I didn't know anything about what online fitness coaches make, but I figured it wasn't <laughs> wasn't much. Um, but I was like, I, I would much rather, you know, have a life that I love doing something that I, I truly am passionate about. And, you know, do okay financially than pursue this thing that I'm not passionate about just for money. Um, and luckily my wife, a girlfriend at the time, um, a little bit more of a free adventurous spirit than I am kind of helped me make that decision and focus on, you know, doing what I love versus what's going to make money. Uh, but as I soon found out, if you're good at something, uh, if you're really good at something, if you're passionate about something, um, you will make a lot of money eventually. You just have to be patient. And now I, certainly make more than I think I probably would have if I'd even stuck with physics. Um, so super grateful to have made that decision early on. Um, unlike a lot of people who I think get dragged into a career that's not fulfilling and have to rediscover themselves later in life. I'm glad I kind of did all that at a much, much younger age. One thing I remember about you from back then was I think I asked you about like winning us, like you'd want a Spartan race, you run a podium. And I was like, Oh, um, don't you like run for your school? Like, isn't that a thing? And you're like, oh yeah, they told me I couldn't because if I made money, I wasn't an amateur anymore. And I just said, fuck that and wanted to do Spartan. And I feel like that's a pretty, I want to say mature decision for someone that young. Cause I think people do think like, well, the school is right. And the school is the way to go. And I should definitely do this college thing. Like what had you just kind of go all in on being a quote unquote Spartan pro, which looking back, you and I know it wasn't that much money. 
end. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and you kind of missed the, I feel like the biggest years were kind of like 16, 17, 18, and you were kind of already on your way out by that point. Um, yeah. So what had you make that decision that early that you'd rather win a thousand bucks at a Spartan than, than be a college athlete? Yeah. And one, I've just kind of always valued my freedom, so to speak. Like if I want to do a certain event, I just want to do what I want to do and not be held to a, a particular schedule or race distance or whatever. But it was helpful for me to kind of be forced into to a similar decision a little bit earlier. Um, when I was in high school, in 10th grade, I transferred high schools um, for academic reasons. I wanted to go to a, a better school. Um, and when I transferred schools, it was out of district. And they're like, you're transferring out of district. Um, you're really good. I had run um, that year in a, a road race. I ran like a 16, 22, 5K, and, and it's pretty good. Um, and they're like, red flag, it looks like you're being recruited for cross country. Um, so you, you can't run for school this year. You have to sit out a year um, to regain uh, athletic eligibility. There was no high was school. Like, there was no high school portal. No, <laughs> so I was like, shoot, man. Uh, but I, I wasn't too bothered by it. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll sit out a year and then also have another, you know, run senior year or whatever it is, or, or two two more years. Um, so while I was sitting out, I'm like, I want to look for for races to do. I want to look for things to do. Uh, and that's how I came across Spartan Race. I did my first Spartan just as like a fun thing to do when I I couldn't run for school that year. And uh, it was the most fun I'd ever had in my life. I did the, it was April 30th, 2011, <laughs> uh, Georgia Spartan Sprint. And it was like the greatest thing ever. Um, so I was like, this this is so much more fun than anything I ever did in school. Um, I just want to keep doing this. And uh, my family have done it. Like I think, I think both my mom and my dad, at least my dad, I don't know if my mom did that first one with us, uh, but we, we all loved it. Me and my dad loved it. We're like, we got to do, we got to do more of these. So we started looking at the calendar. We found one in South Carolina. Um, so we did like the a Carolina one a few months later. And then uh, the third one was the Vermont Beast, the first ever Killington Spartan race in I think August of 2011. And that one, you know, the first two were fun. Georgia was fun. South Carolina was fun. Um, but anyone who's raced in Killington knows that it's something special, um, especially the first ever Killington Spartan Beast. No one really knew <laughs> what to expect going into that one. And so the the Blennis trio, me, my dad, and my grandpa, uh, we all did the first ever Killington Spartan. And it was honestly life-changing. Like, you know, we came home and we're like on a whole different, different life path, different life journey. Like I had liked fitness before, but you know, from that moment forward, I was like, I'm going all in. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, so, I, you know, uh, April of 2011 was kind of the beginning, but post Killington, uh, it was all about the Spartan life from that point forward. Yeah, so that's where I met you. Um, I specifically, I know I've told this story before, but um, it's not been, it's been a while. So I, I did my first, so I did Warrior Dash in May of 2010, which I just looked at your athletes. You did that one as well. Um, that was mm-hmm. technically my first obstacle race, right? But, but I jumped the fire. We were done. It was fun. I drove home. There was nothing, yeah. nothing life altering about it. Yeah. I do a Tough Mudder in February of 2012, right? And that did change my life because it was freezing and it was 10 miles and I did all these things I'd never done before. Spartan was a month later. And so somewhere around there, I started looking for content and for people, uh, it's hard to understand this, but Instagram wasn't nearly as thing like it is now. There's nobody's putting out content except like Amelia put out a little, Margaret put out a little, right? Spartan has Mm -hmm. a little, Spartan has weird death race content, but I knew who you were because you were like in these videos, I guess. 
So then my friend was running the Sweetwater 50K, and he wanted me to run with him for the last 12, 13 miles, and we passed you on an out and back. And in my mind, I was like, I think that was that guy, Alec, but it happened so quick that mm-hmm. that I didn't – but I think I might have DM'd you after that. Do you remember? You know, the my earliest memory of you, and I know I had met you before. Um, otherwise, you would not have let me drive your car to Florida. Um, but if I try to – Oh yeah, I, I I remember training you at, at Georgia Tech, but one of my earliest memories of you, and I don't remember which came first, was driving to the uh, Superhero Scramble in Waldo, Florida, um, and you're like, you drive. I'm like, I just got my driver's license, and you're like, I don't care. Um, so I ended up like driving your car to to Waldo, Florida for the Superhero Scramble, uh, and that's one of my first memories of you. So was I just lazy? Was I wanted to sleep? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So it was, if I can remember this correctly. I want to say it was me, you, and Andy, maybe, but I feel like there was at least two cars. Did your dad ride with us? Did he drive separately? Yeah, yeah. I think at some point I drove, he drove. Yeah. I think that's so funny, but that sounds like me. Um, (laughs) Because I remember you guys pulling up in my driveway. And honestly, I think it was like, I was a little starstruck, to be honest, because it was you and Andy, and you guys had been in these Spartan videos. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm traveling with these guys. And uh, people ask me, so superhero scramble you've you you've probably heard of is this race that that was great it was like a good it was a good competitor to spartan but sadly eventually didn't pay its racers and went out of business and tried to it's kind of like battle frog before battle frog tried to try to pull off more than it could chew basically if it had just stayed in florida and georgia it might have made it but um but all the spartan racers were doing it it was another race you could go and win money and at first he was paying out if i recall like you probably got paid from that one from waldo right yeah, yeah. I got one good check from them, maybe two. And then uh then yeah, they they disappeared. I think he still owes me like fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. Well, uh people ask me about what's my favorite race is, and I always say it's a not about a race, it's about an experience. And my favorite experience is and every year, um, that that picture of us doing that race at night comes up when mm-hmm. it was an obstacle race at night. We'd already run the course once or twice, probably, because it was only like a 5K course. Yeah. And the first obstacle was like run through the tires, and we all just picked up the tires and carried them the rest of the course, you know, including up this big cargo net. And whenever that picture comes up, I'm so happy. That was like one of my, that's one of my fondest uh, OCR memories of just, you know, I think Kobe was with us, and we just, we all just ran out there and did this wacky thing at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. That was awesome. My, one of my, probably my fondest Spartan race memory was also with, with Hobie during the first Spartan beast in Killington when no one knew how long it was going to be. And we all kind of bonked and everyone else was out there trying to survive. And, uh, I actually caught up to Hobie and which like blew my mind. Cause like Hobie had bonked really hard. <laughs> um, never would I have thought that I would have been running alongside him, but I caught up to him like three hours into the Killington beast. And uh, we just started talking and kind of just goofed off the rest of the race. We were like trying to push each other over and like throw stuff at each other, just like having a good time for the last couple of miles of uh, of the Killington race. Um, and yeah, that's that's one of my favorite memories. Um, just kind of finishing that race, just having a good time with him, not being competitive, just kind of laughing at the absurdity of of what that event was. Well, I think that's a good transition to talk about this thing called hybrid, which. Uh, nobody can define, and I'm fine with it. Um, we have a lot of lively discussions about it. Um, like, well, isn't CrossFit hybrid racing? Like, just because you're doing these multiple modalities, and what makes this person hybrid versus this person? And um, you know, I know that that your guy Alex has said 
I'm not trademarking it, but I think I'm the guy who started saying it first. Um, and I know he wrote that book, whatever, early 2000s, right? So, mm-hmm. but when I hear about these you know, good old days conversations that we get into when we talk to folks like us, um, you know, to me, DECA and Hyrox, this hybrid thing has, is the exact same markings as early OCR to me, meaning a bunch of people are doing content about it. All the conversations we're having is around it. Can I get a coach? What are the best shoes? Like it's all the same stuff that we all got into early days. Um, and you know, there was just a post today, in Fit Insider, do you follow that? No. So it's basically it's a basically it's it's like a PR piece, but I'll read it because I think it makes really good sense. Um, because they're the numbers they're using are clearly coming from it's like it's like a business it's like a fitness business page. I can't type though fitness. So many words fitness in there. Is there two T's and two N's in fitness? Uh, one T. <laughs> <laughs> they spell it with two, I think. Fitness. God, let's just pull it up here. Let's do a share screen. <laughs> Sorry. So I was I was looking at your um I was looking at your athletes, but we'll go here to uh Instagram. Not now. I think it still blows me away. Like it almost feels like a different lifetime now thinking about my athletes, um, because I raced so frequently. Yes. I accumulated there's I think I did two hundred and fifty I probably have two hundred and fifty results in my athletes, and most of those came from like a six year period. It was just absurd. Yeah, I did forty I think forty two races one year. And um, that included one when I did eight races in a weekend, which I'm still very proud of. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of driving. So, um, so this is the post about High Rocks, um, and this is what's like their numbers. I don't think, or I don't. Th- I think these are exaggerated. But it says uh, 2324, 175,000 participants across 65 events in 17 countries. 2027. 170 global events reaching a million participants. Now that's a stretch, but yeah. Um, uh, here's the business, and this is what this is what it's all about to me. While runners have 5Ks and marathons, gym goers don't have a fun social competitive outlet. Filling a void, High Rocks has multiple revenue streams: events, sponsorships, gym affiliates, apparel, equipment. So this is what I've been saying in recent months: is if you're at the gym, whether it's a CrossFit box. Your local, you know, whatever gym, uh, the Y, Orange Theory, what you, no matter what you're at, if you're talking to your buddy that you meet every Monday and Wednesday, and you're like, well, let's go do a Deca or let's go do a let's go do a High Rocks, it's already what you've been doing in the gym, right? It's just an extension of that, right? Maybe not yeah. the exact same movements. So there's a one to one ratio versus if you and I are going to the gym every day, and I go. You want to do the Virginia Super with me? What's that? Well, we'll be in the woods. It's a mountain. Yeah. It's obstacles. <laughs> it doesn't even match. Now, clearly, yeah. people went from the gym to OCR, but it's not a match the way hybrid is. And to me, part of me is like, well, what fucking took people so long to figure this out? You know, there was yeah. a, there was a couple of these parking lot com- com- competitions, we'll call them. CMC had kind of a weird version. The Metro Dash, you probably did that one. But for some reason, nobody did what Hyrox and Deca are doing is, what if we just do a fitness competition that's not CrossFit? Yeah. Well, it seems so obvious when you say it out loud. Um, but I think that <laughs> where some of the OCR companies have gone wrong, like, you know, your Battle Frogs, your Superhero Scrambles, um, and why it's been tough for those companies to stay alive and, and make money is they take a sport that just by its very nature is a, a niche sport. Like, I don't care how much marketing money you put into it. 
you are just, you're only going to convince so many people to go roll around in the mud in the woods for a couple hours. It is a small demographic that you're, you're catering to. And it has this kind of backyard feel, like especially early OCR days, it was a very small community. We kind of all knew each other. We were a bunch of weirdos. And I think that was perfect. I mean, that's what going out in the woods and doing obstacles and stuff is, is all about. So I think if they had stuck to the roots a little bit more and just kind of leaned into that aspect of it um, and made it a smaller demographic and then expanded with, you know, a high rocks like fitness competition for the masses versus, Hey, let's try to get obstacle racing on TV. Like it, it's just not, no one's going to watch people roll around in the mud and woods. You know, you got to just split it up uh, and have something for the masses and have something for the weirdos. So I think a lot of those OCR companies just tried way too hard to get something very, very niche, uh, get to, to give it mass appeal. Um, but high rocks, I think feels it perfectly, you know, at, at my gym, for example, we have a, a huge group fitness. Um, we have a lot of group fitness members, I, I suppose. And we had a group of like 30 people all go to the last Chicago high rocks, um, which there's no, no chance that we could have gotten that many people from, from my gym to go do a, a Spartan or a tough mod or anything like that. Well, I mean, certainly gyms did do that, but they did it once, right? Yeah. That was fun. Do you want to do it again? Not really. I kind of hate running, right? Yep. So, uh, and I'm, I've been keeping track. I just put out a post yesterday, um, about this, uh, the SoCal event that's been happening every year in Northern California. It's basically the first year. And, uh, in 20, uh, in 20, where'd it go? 2018, they did two weekends back to back, right? Mm -hmm. It was the 17th and the 24th. They had 16,000 finishers, which means they probably had over 20,000 sign up. So I can kind of understand it that like money is just falling out of your ears. You can't believe it, right? This many people want to do this event that we could have two weekends back to back in New Jersey, two weekends back to back uh, in California. Um, And so the idea of, well, let's do 60 events, right? And so that's kind of where they went wrong is they start to – they start to cannibalize themselves in different markets and people are doing it less and less. Obviously COVID um, like, you know, was zero events, but in some ways it gave a reset because I think the numbers were going down and now they have a chance to go back up because yeah. we kind of started over with COVID. Um, but again, I feel like, so if I was Joe and he won't do this, I see Hyrox crushing it. I would double down on DECA. Like, let's take mm. some of the money we're putting towards OCR and put it towards <laughs> DECA, which is like hybrid is clearly the future. Like, you're an idiot if you don't yeah. see that, right? Yeah. OCR is either flat or declining. Hybrid is the arrow is straight up. So that's what I would yeah. do if I were him. What do you think? I think that that is a great idea because, um, like you said, in regards to the groups, you know, the Spartans is something that a lot of people do once. Yeah, there was the crazies like us that would like go travel around the country and do them every every weekend and, and that kind of thing. But that's just not most people. It's this like novelty thing. They're like, oh, yeah, I did one of those like one time. And, you know, they kind of check it off their list. Whereas when people go to something like a high rocks, they're like, I want to do that again. I want to do, do it faster next time. I was weak at this, you know, and the kind of um, the consistency of it, um, the fact that it's the same thing every time. Um, on the one hand, you could consider it boring, but I think it gives people a target and like a reason to want to do it again. Um, and it's just, it's just simpler logistically. So I, I can see why people will keep coming back to high rocks in a way that they wouldn't, um, for a Spartan or, or an OCR. Um, but I think it's important that high rocks doesn't just go unchallenged <laughs> in the industry. You know, they can't be the only one. Um, 
And so I think whoever gets in there first, you know, if Spartan doubles down on DECA, uh, makes it bigger and better. I think that would, that would be great. Um, especially if it becomes as well known. Um, cause right now a lot of people have heard of Pyrox and I'll be like, Oh, have you done a, a DECA? And they're like, what's that? Um, so there's, there's definitely a, a disparity there. Um, but I think if it was equally well known, people would be all about like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do a DECA to prepare for Hyrox or vice versa. You'd see people that specialize in one versus the other, you know, shorter versus longer distances. Um, I think that DECA, I think they try to spread themselves too thin by having DECA strong, DECA mile and DECA fit. I think they just need to go DECA, like straight DECA. Um, I think that would be better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they should definitely double down on that and, and have more. I'm disappointed. At how I, like, I don't think I've ever talked to someone who knew what it was before I told them um, versus Hyrox. Nobody heard, heard of them. Even people who've done Hyrox in Europe hadn't heard of it. And like now they do. When I was at, when I was at the DECA World Champs, um, there were people from England there or at least one or two. And I asked them how it was. And people are – because they've done two or three Hyroxes and then they're like, oh – Somebody put down a fast deck of time. I want to do one of those. So here's what's interesting. If not for the pandemic, there would have never been a strong mile. They were going to be an events company, right? Seven the first yeah. year, and they were going to grow from there. Pandemic happens. People start signing up like uh, the gym starts signing up, and so they completely flip the model, which people say like people say it's working, but like is it? Like like you like the gym gets – I think it's 60-40 on the money. It used to be 70-30 maybe on the signups. And the events are like like a lost leader. Like not that many people do the events. Um, yeah. However, in Spain, okay, they're focusing on events first and it's working. And so I think that's the way to go for them. I don't know if here if they want to try to now still get back into the events game, right? Yeah. But it's definitely you, working. You know what over I think there. is, look, dude. There's there's more events in Spain this year, which is the size of Georgia, let's say, or a couple <laughs> U.S. states. There's more fit events in yeah. Spain than our whole country. Is that crazy? It is crazy. But you know what I think Deca is missing, um, and I, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying here. Nothing about it is hard enough. So when you think high rocks, you know, for a while people are like, oh my god, the sleds are just brutal. Like you gotta you gotta see what the sled is about. Or they're, you know, the wall balls, like doing a hundred wall balls at the end of event, it's just killer. There's something about it that's like, there's enough to make people a little afraid. And they're like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. You know, I got to train for this because that part's really hard. Nothing's hard about that. Like you have, obviously you have to run it fast, <laughs> but there's nothing, no one is like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Uh, I don't think there's enough fear for it to be motivating or exciting or, or anything like that. Um, so I, I think that they, if they amped it up in some way, I know Joe's goal is to make it very accessible, like anyone can do it. Um, but I think Hyrox has gotten that balance just right of where it's like, it's very accessible, but it's just hard enough that people are like, they want to train for it. You know, it's kind of like the allure of the half marathon. Like the half marathon is a very popular distance because anyone knows they can run a 5k or 10k, but they're like, oh, a half marathon, that's going to be a good challenge. You know, and then marathon's too much. Um, so that half marathon's perfect. And I think Hyrox has, has found that balance as well between accessibility and challenge. Um, but in my opinion, and it, it always bothered me that Deca Strong called themselves Deca Strong. I'm like, there's nothing strong about that. It's still a cardio event. Like, oh, it's just shorter. <laughs> it's not. It's not strength. Um, but to me, all of the hybrid events, you know, High Rocks and Deca and whatnot, are still they're not really hybrid. I mean, they're hybrid because they combine modalities, but there's really very little strength to them. Um, obviously, there is the sled. Like, there's you kind of have to sort of be strong. But you look at some of the people that are, you know, winning and podiuming these events. A lot of them are super skinny, scrawny runner people, which is, is fine. Like it's still very impressive, 
Um, and then on the other extreme, you have CrossFit, which is hybrid, but it's mostly strength. You know, you well, got would, super, super strong call, jack guys. I wouldn't call Kent or Hunter or Meg or Lauren scrawny runners. Well, no, there's, but some of them are, and I don't want to throw names out there and be insulting and be like, look at this scrawny dude, but there's some, some smaller, weaker athletes that, you know, that I doubt they could even, you know, deadlift three plates or something like that, which I, I think if you talk about hybrid athletes, like, you know, you look at, at some of the guys like Jack Driscoll or, you know, Alex, and Alex is a, a little older and, and whatnot at this point, but, you know, three plate deadlift is like a bare minimum. So this is, this is, um, part of the deal with the conversations we have. So we put out these hybrid rankings and I highly value um, people like Jack, like Carly Wopat that I think, you know, if you just like, if you wanted to pick people the way I do it is like, Hey, I just want to pick people on my team. There's going to be a hybrid event. We're not sure what it is. And a lot of folks in this panel that we have, especially my buddy Rich, are like, well, what's their high rocks or deca time? And it's like, well, I kind of don't care. And why is that your only measure of what a yeah. hybrid athlete is? So that really bothers me. So then what's a better test? What should the what should a, the next competition be that you think would test a hybrid athlete? Yeah. So and I, I don't say this because I think it's the ultimate definition of what a hybrid athlete is. I think it just fills a, a gap because again, I think high rocks is it's mostly conditioning. You have to have some level of strength, but it kind of rewards athletes who are a little bit just bigger. Like if you're a bigger athlete, you know, you're going to have better power on a ski and a rower. The sled's going to feel lighter to you. So it's, it's basically a test of among some of the bigger and or taller, you know, you can potentially compensate for that by being just super strong. But for the most part, it's, you know, among the bigger and taller athletes, who's the fastest, who's the best conditioned. And then, you know, CrossFit's very, very strength dom- uh, dominated. Um, you know, they're running like a 2.6 mile 5k in 19 minutes or whatever, you know, the, the running and stuff, is just not that, that impressive. Um, so something in the middle where like, you have to be able to run, you know, I'm looking for like athletes who are running in this, you know, male athletes, I'd say 17 to 18 minutes in a 5k and, you know, deadlifting and or squatting over 400. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not realistic at all. I'm like, I think there's a, actually a lot of people that can do that. There's just not an event that caters for them. They're the people who aren't really strong enough, not quite strong enough to to excel at the CrossFit Games level. They're not quite fast enough to run a sub one hour high rocks, but they're still super fast. They're still super strong. I just don't think there's an event out there that really caters to that that kind of middle ground, like the true, in my bias, the true balance between strength and endurance. I think all the events are on one side or the other. So I would, why, I would love to see something. Why don't you go up and crush a deck of strong if you don't think it's that heavy? Cause I'm not, I don't have the, the conditioning for it. I don't have the, like, so to win a deck strong, I still think you need to be someone who's running a sub 16, 5k, like the, the level of conditioning that you need to, to ha- hold that kind of output, that high metabolic output for 10 minutes. The conditioning is just insane. You could be, you know, take me, fill me up with a bunch of testosterone or D ball or something. I could put on 20 more pounds of, Let's go. of my, <laughs> put, put on all that muscle mass. I could double my strength. I still wouldn't win a deck is strong. It's because it's conditioning. You can make it as short as you want. You know, it's a nine, 10 minute event or whatever it is for most people. I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I can't remember exactly. Um, but it's still just, it's like running a two mile, you know, two mile athletes are not going to be the biggest or the strongest. It's going to be really freaking fast. Um, and with a lot of the, uh, the ergs and stuff, uh, body weight's a big factor, which I think is why people often think it's a, a strength thing. Cause when you have bigger, stronger athletes, you know, you have a 200 pound athlete, they're going to be able to put out 50 cows in a, a bike way faster than a 140 pound athlete. 
it's not because they're stronger. They're just, they are producing more absolute power. Um, Ryan, so I think it'd be Ryland yeah. Shadeg looks like his strong is 1033. Okay. Yeah. So like a 10 minute, 10 minute event. Um, but nothing about Magida, it requires Magida strength. Magida did it in 11:51. Does that help? Because you know him. Yeah, yeah. So I you, would have thought Magida would be uh, a little faster than that. Well, this could be wrong. This could be old. Um, but uh, I'm looking. I'm trying to look at these guys. These are all pretty strong guys, right? I'm looking at this. Um, Collins really strong. Kevin Gregory, of course, really strong. I'm trying to see if there's anybody like close to your <laughs> close to your build. <laughs> I can't find um, anybody. Oh, what's his name? I can't. Uh, there's one. I can't remember his name now. There's a guy out there similar to my build. Um, what are you? He five, attempted the the Murph, Murph record. I'm five five, maybe five six. If I stand up real straight, uh, one sixty five. When you ran, when you were winning Spartan races in 2012, how much did you weigh? Like one thirty five, one forty. Yeah, I remember. I mean, this is. I was gonna say like this isn't gonna embarrass you, but I know you don't give a shit. I remember like even like at the Georgia Spartan, like I was trying to follow the elites, like filming it, and like you got to the Hercoist, and it's like, Wee! like pulls you up. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, that was one of the only, and usually I was successful, but sometimes those Hercoist, if they got like waterlogged or something, be a little bit heavier. And then you know, if you can loop your foot, you know, under the gate or whatever, you know, you can I can get the leverage. Uh, but if they yell at you and you're like, no, foot off the foot off the rail or whatever they just keep changing it's like the a, rules. a rope it's climb. like you can put one foot you can put two foot you can stand on it you can't stand on it they keep changing but i think you would i think you would crush it now right the uh the Hercoist? i think so i've got a little more body mass but i i don't know if they've changed the weight since then i don't know what the uh what they're at now i i don't either um what spartan did wisely was they did standardize in 20 was it 16 God, all the years run together for me now. Dude, it's been like 15 <laughs> years, right? The first race is 2010, right? It's been a really long time. Um, and um, they decided, well, let's, instead of making it this like a sprint could be five miles, it could be seven. A super could be eight miles, it could be 12. This beast you're talking about. Yeah. Let's make them 5K, 10K half marathon distance. Like that was smart. But I think you're right. They're never going to get that um, that mass mass. However, when you talk about DECA being quote-unquote too easy, that is what Yancey talks about. Yancey basically talks about it as if it's a couch to 5K. Like, we're going to have 100% finishers. So those people that walk the 5K and they finish it in an hour or whatever, you know, it's, it's an accomplishment yeah. for them. They got off the couch. They did something. So if that's the goal, then that's what they want to do. And they're, they're not going to make it. I think, I think the elite waves should be harder. I think 20 yeah. step overs is fucking stupid, right? It's like they do it in eight seconds and they leave. What's it, the point? It becomes a, a weird like technique thing of can you move your – do you have the footwork to, to right. do them that quickly? Um, I think that it's accurate to call it fitness racing. I just don't think it's hybrid racing. Like the there's just not enough strength demand for it to really be hybrid. You don't have to strength – you could never strength train in your life. You could not work out in a gym whatsoever. You could just run and you could go to a deck of fit and do fine. You That's not have, hybrid You training. would not do fine. It take a take some random take a random cross country runner you know go to your local college pick some mid pack cross country runner who has thick arms and have him do a, a deck of fit the heaviest thing you have to lift is like thirty pounds they'd be totally fine. All right, I think you're a little I think you're a little biased. I think you've you've forgotten what it's like. Okay. <laughs> if you take a college runner, okay, when he gets to I don't know the bike right, which is eight zone eight, he's gonna be and he's already done he's run really fast he's done all these other exercises he's going to be kind of toast 
I think a lot of it's the skill thing of, you know, if you haven't done multimodal conditioning and, and that sort of thing, it's not because he doesn't squat and it's not like he needs to go in the gym and beef up his back squat or anything. I mean, you know, he'll, just he'll needs finish to- the event. Of course he'll finish, but you make it sound like, oh, he'll breeze through it. They will not breeze through it. That's like saying any college runner could breeze through a Spartan. No, because a Spartan, you have to be able to, the strength demand is higher for like a heavy sandbag carry. That you have to they don't play. really do that. They don't do that anymore. It's just one pancake. You just throw it on your back. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I've carried weights up a ski slope in Vermont that were heavier than anything you touch in a DECA strong, you know, or in a four hour event, you know, which I, that's to me, that just doesn't make sense. You can't call something DECA strong and the strength demands are lower in that event than they are in a four hour beast race. You know, that, that to me just doesn't add up. I think you're a little too harsh on this one. <laughs> by the way, Agree to disagree. Okay. Not everybody who listens to this is a big gym rat like you. So I meant to ask you this. How much is three plates? Uh, three plates would be 315 okay. in the U.S. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Where is it? But how, see, that's, how, how much in, in England? How much is three plates? Uh, so three plates would be 140K, um, <laughs> which then you, you lose a couple of pounds in the conversion there. Right. Uh, did you see this event, Athics, that I did? No, I didn't. Oh, boy. Well, I think you would like that one. Um, well, uh, I like uh, I like Battle Bunker. I think that Battle Bunker has done a good job at kind of getting something that, that demands a little bit more true hybrid fitness, in my opinion. Why didn't you do that one? Well, I, I did, actually. I did uh, I did the first HybridCon games. Um, we talked on the phone while I was there. <laughs> Why didn't you do it last year? Uh, I had a... There was a reason. Uh, I had a conflict with something, and I can't recall what it was. All right. uh, but I might, I might try it again this year. We'll see. I think it's a, I think it's a great event. Okay, so I'm going to show you this Athics event. Okay. Um, well, funny enough, we'll quickly say this. I just opened my Instagram page, my YouTube page, um, and the first comment is, "Guess what? Uh, a video I put up three, almost four years ago, uh, called Hunter's Murph, and uh, amazingly so." Uh, people are still criticizing his form. So, so <laughs> oh my god! I I just can't I even stand. I, I love it. I I hate it. I I honestly hate it. Um, uh, because um, because no matter what you do, no matter what you do with Murph, just people can't they can't uh, appreciate it. Unlike other records, it's just frustrating. Not that I really care that much. Um, but it, it's almost disincentivizing to me to even attempt the record again. Um, just because I know it's just, just like I don't know. Unless, unless you had like Red Bull presents the world, it honestly isn't because we've joked about this before. You beat Hunter's mark. Your your Hunter's uh, speaking of good thumbnails, crushed it with that one. This one has 180k views, and yours has probably not even 50. Yeah. Uh, oh, Murph, not even close to that. I'm sure. Murph record Blennis. Uh, you you don't even come up when I type Murph record Blennis. There it is. Oh wait, no, no. Well, that was the, you. You did that was the one, one that I did myself, and I, I did not. I was not successful that year, which was kind of a bummer. Okay, uh, so there's, there's mine. So there's yeah. yours. I, I should probably change this. I'm going to change this thumbnail. Um, <laughs> seriously, I'm better at it now. Uh, this is a good one. This is your wife, I think, holding up the phone with 3241. So this has 8,000 views, right? Um, yeah. But I was going to show you ethics. Um, yeah, you need a better thumbnail, buddy. Yeah, you both need better thumbnails. I, what I would really like to do, I kind of want to do one more time. I want to get Murph sub 30 and then just be done with it. Yeah, because like I said, it's never going to be, it's never going to, yeah, all you're going to, it's just so funny to me that people come on three years later and say those aren't pull-ups or, you know, Hunter miscounted or whatever the fuck it is. 
<laughs> it's just funny. Ethics games. You'll get a kick out of this. I did a. I did Murph last year, and last year I decided I didn't want to go for the record. I just wanted to have some fun with it, so I did it wearing a forty pound vest. Okay. <laughs> and I was uh, competing directly across from a guy who did not know I was wearing a forty pound vest. I was actually wearing two twenty pound vests. It's a little bit thicker, um, and he thought I was going for the record again. And he starts yelling at me mid competition. Like he just he gets off his his uh, his pull up bar and starts yelling at me that my push ups are not low enough. And I'm like, you realize that I have two vests on so like when my when the vet, the double vest hits the ground that's all the way down and he was like oh and he ended up apologizing to me after the event he's like i didn't realize i'm sorry i'm like yeah yeah he probably yeah. googled you and was like oh shit this guy's the real deal well he he knew who i was going into it that's why he was such a hard ass but he didn't realize that i was doing it with two vests for fun and uh he, he kind of felt like an idiot uh, afterwards deservingly so I, I thought it was pretty funny all right so here's ethics okay Whoa, let me turn the sound off. <clears throat> Where's the fucking mute? Because it comes out funny when you play this. All right, so um, so this is the first thing you do. Uh, shoulder to overhead, one rep max, okay? It's a double, mm-hmm. it's a partner workout. Uh, and then back squat, 10 rep max. This is the open version. There's the- I already love it. Okay, so <laughs> you do that, okay? And we're going to watch these gals go for it, right? It's exciting to watch people get PRs, right? Almost everybody PRs because they're so excited. It's a competition, right? Um, yeah. So uh, as you can see, high production value like high rocks, right? Like cool black and white. You know, mm-hmm. this doesn't, doesn't, look, doesn't look like a DECA. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this, is part of a, this is part of a fitness competition um, overall, like one of those big fit comps. So everybody PR and loving their life, right? Uh, here's back squat. All right. Let's go to the next thing. So, then, so uh, let's all right. You go to this little zone for like ten minutes. Then you go to this. Okay, an erg athlon. Okay, so five k run on the curved treadmill, right? Or cap out at twenty minutes, right? Mm-hmm. That's part A. While you're doing that, your partner is hopping on the machine and doing this: one uh, k ski erg, two k row, five k bike. So you can trade off as much as you want. Most people just like stay on the run until the first person finishes the erg, but sometimes you swap in the middle, right? Yeah. And then you do that, right? And that's a 25-minute cap. And then you're dead, so you get a half an hour break. And then you do uh, – we'll just kind of go through these. Uh, so we'll just – rather than reading all that, you can see you're, just, you're running with the sandbag. And again, you can trade off here anywhere you want, right? Like yeah. do 5, do 10, do 20, box jump overs. And then certain things everyone has to do, okay? Then you both run with that again. Again, you can trade off here, and the weights are... It looks like it, it, it could be a logistical nightmare. I it's, feel like it's it's messy. But it's not. They've got this floor lined out, and you just move up, just like a competition, right? And you've got judges yeah. there. Some of the judges are good. Some of the judges are bad. Now you've got these. Now you both have to do these, line over burpees. Okay. It looks fun. I would do it. Okay, then then look at that good form on that girl. Yeah. She is not fucking around. And then you both run with this again. So you get the idea, right? Yeah. Uh, and then everybody does and then everybody does the 50 meter burpees at the end. So what I like about these guys is unlike High Rocks, they are going to change it. So within a season, four or five mm-hmm. races, it's the same and then next year they change it. So this year they've already put out the new workouts. So let's quickly look at what those are actually. Let's go to Instagram. Pull this back up. Where'd you go? Zoom, share. Where the fuck did it go? Can you see that? Yeah. 
Okay, sorry. I thought it was something else. So this year, I think they're going to keep the erg in the middle, which I really like. I think that's a good thing to like love to hate, right? <laughs> and let's just look. Yeah, you know, I would. I would love to see a, an event like this. You know, a high rocks, a affex, or, or however you say it, where you make it accessible for the the open kind of events that are everywhere. But like, imagine if high rocks. Imagine if open was a hundred wall balls, and then you have to qualify for like the next round. And then that becomes, you know, a back squat at 135 at the regionals or whatever. And then you make it to the championship and it becomes like a back squat at 185 or something like that. Yeah, these guys, obviously, yeah, these yeah. guys talked about that, about making their finals a little bit harder. Um, but I don't think they've committed to that yet. Okay. So this year's strength <laughs> workout is three rep max shoulder overhead and a five rep max on the deadlift. And then it looks like, Oh, wow. Okay, so this is the same thing. Pretty good. The Ergathlon. Yeah. Both marts must be completed by the pair simultaneously. This year, the new rule is that if you start on an Erg, you must complete the full distance on that Erg. So if mm. I get on the ski Erg, I have to finish before I can switch with you. Yeah. I kind of don't like that, but okay. I think they should have just kept it as it is because I just think, like I said, it's just a fun, horrible endurance workout. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you want to read all these, but this is the, the Metcon. Yeah. I mean, it definitely takes a well-rounded athlete to, to do well at something like that. Um, I, I can see how a multi-part event like that, though, is gonna they're gonna have a hard time getting the the, the volume of like a high rocks, you know, versus something you just one and done. Oh, you're just talking about the throughput of the event. Is that what you meant by confusing? Yeah, yeah. Like logistically, I feel like if you say, okay, we want to have a thousand athletes do that, no problem. Okay, if you want to have ten thousand athletes do that, I can see that just being a nightmare. Yeah, maybe they don't want ten thousand. Maybe they're profitable at. 2000. Oh. I don't know. Sure. I think that's a good point. I think that uh, all of these companies want to be the, the biggest company where I think there's a lot of value in, in some smaller events. Not everyone has to be the uh, uh, like, you know, ultra to Mount Blanc uh, owning all the, the ultra races and, and whatnot. Not do everybody you, has to do that. Do you pay attention to running news still? Uh, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Usually just via memes and stuff. Where, where do you work out? <laughs> Um, I work out at, at my lifetime gym a little bit, um, the gym I work at, and then I have a pretty good setup, uh, here at home as well. Um, so you, you teach there at lifetime. I coach some one-on-one clients. I do some one-on-one personal training there about like 10 hours a week. Um, but that's about it. Uh, and where are you again, geographically? Minneapolis. Why did you go from Hawaii to Minneapolis? <laughs> um, Hawaii is great. I, I love Hawaii. Um, I don't know if I would live there full time. Uh, we lived there for six months and it was great. Um, cost of living is higher. It's difficult to live there all the time. Feel Why do I keep getting kicked off? Well, when you freeze, I just kick you off to make it quicker because otherwise you'll just sit there forever. You're freezing on my end. So I assumed it was oh, freezing weird. on your end. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, oh. the tr- the, I just found out the trials are tomorrow. The trials? The Olympic trials. Oh, Olympic trials. Like, uh, is it the marathon trials or, or which ones? Or do they do them all together? I don't know. Oh, shoot. I lost the account I was on. Um, I'm guessing Marathon. They, they don't really post much else for that <laughs> stuff. It's in Orlando, I yeah. guess. Ooh. <laughs> That'll, that's probably uh, not the most fun place to run a marathon. It was four years ago. It was here, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So, again, you still didn't tell me why you picked Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota is uh, it's great except for the winters. So, I think it's just kind of the price you pay for a very like good cost of living kind of outdoor enthusiast paradise summer it's 
super easy to go on like a mountain bike ride, trail run. People call um, Minnesota outdoor enthusiast paradise. I hear Colorado. Nobody's ever said Minnesota that I know of. Yeah, it's, and it's, I think it's one of the nation's best kept secrets. Like here in the city, I'm, I can look out the window at the lake right now. It's frozen right now. Um, so there's people out there like ice fishing and skating and, and whatnot. Uh, but I got like a couple lakes right out my, my back door that I can just go swim or paddleboard or canoe or whatever in the summer. Um, I live in the city, but I can go for a 20 mile trail run and like not have to see traffic or anything, um, which is kind of unheard of. You know, you usually have to drive out to the trails or something from the city. Um, so it's kind of nice to have that just like, you know, our, our, uh, our version of central park is, is great. Just like miles and miles of trails right here in the city. Are, are they going crazy out there at the lake? Going crazy. <laughs> yeah, a, you know, it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's, a it's line, the warmest it's, winter. It's a line from Fargo. Do you not watch Fargo? No, I don't. Everyone brings that up. And uh, when they hear them from Minnesota, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Well, uh, it's a great movie and uh, it's a, it's a good show as well. I'll, I'll have to check it out. So I get the references when, you, when people bring it up. Do you, do you watch any television? Oh yeah. 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 Um, TV movies, etc. cetera. Um, on an old movie kick, watched Terminator two last night. Yeah. You want to know a yeah. good old, you want to know a good old movie. Go back even further. Uh, I recently watched thief. It's a Michael Mann. Movie. Okay. Really good. I don't know that. It's a 1981 James Caan. It's kind of amazing. They don't make them like that anymore. Like you have to be yeah. like you have to be like patient, right? Like there's there's whole scenes without dialogue, just a guy doing his job kind of thing. It's really good. God damn it, you froze again. Okay, I'm not going to kick you off this time. I'm just going to wait. I did not kick you I off ch- that time. I I changed my uh I turned my Wi-Fi off. So hopefully that's that's better if it was my fault. Anyway, um, what else, what <laughs> what else are you watching before we wrap it up? Um I'd say our, our favorite genre like the, that my wife and I like together is a lot of the fantasy stuff. Um, fantasy, fantasy animation, um, arcane, uh, arcane is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. Uh, if anyone likes a, uh, kind of adult fantasy animation, I'll check it out. Um, we watched the Witcher, which was pretty great. Uh, always, you know, Lord of the Rings fans, Harry Potter, all that stuff. I've seen like 20 times. Um, we just got back from, the seeing the Shire in person in New Zealand, uh, which is pretty sweet. Um, and like we did the Harry Potter studio tour in, in London. So you could say we're, we're kind of nerds as far as um, some of that fantasy stuff goes. Where are you on, uh, on game of Thrones? Didn't see it. That's probably one of the few in that genre that we haven't seen yet. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, but just hasn't come up yet. Um, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fantasy guy per se. I mean, I've seen all the, I've seen all the Lord of the Rings. I've seen some of the Harry Potter's, um, but apparently for people who have done all of them, like fans of fans of, uh, Tolkien or fans of George R. R. Martin who made game of Thrones. So maybe we'll okay. check it out. Yeah. I heard, I just saw the uproar of like how they ended it and everyone was pissed off. Yeah. I was like, ignore all that. Ignore all that. Watch seven <laughs> seasons of amazing television, make your own decision about the ending. Um, amazing characters, amazing storylines, amazing acting. I mean, it's just really good. And then there's a whole new season now, the prequel that's 200 years before, 2,000 years before, yeah. whatever it is. Uh, it's really good. I, I hate when people screw things up. Like an, another animated one that's actually really good uh, was called Troll Hunters. And they do that thing at the end where it ends up, they like go back in time and the thing never happened. And I'm like, what? Like, geez, come on, dude. You just ruined the whole thing for me. Um, I hate it when they do that stuff. Um, yeah, I can't say I've watched that. Um, I can't say I've watched that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think this was a nice catch up. Um, do you have space for coaching? Where should people contact you or find your amazing content? 
Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Instagram, just my full name at Alec Blunas. Um, I have a website and all that kind of stuff too, but um, in my, my bio on my Instagram, I got links to programs, contact info, coaching inquiries, all that kind of stuff. So check me out there. Um, I do a weekly Q and a, um, I think that's part of what's helped me be successful on, on Instagram and, and known well is my weekly Q and a where people ask training questions or whatever they want to ask. And, and I try to do a thorough job with that. So if you're interested watch my stories, keep an eye out for the Q and a and, and ask away. All right. Before we go, I have another question. What, you know, we talked about, you know, you getting a Murph record and not even making a big deal <clears> or just doing it to get it done. Like what do you set goals for yourself? Like, monthly yearly like do you want to do any comps like how do you measure your own success you know your your yeah. body i guess i mean you probably have your own business goals but in terms of what you do physically yeah and i, I definitely got burnt out on competition with you know you were looking at my app links like 250 events in five or six years which is something absolutely nuts um so i when i stopped doing that i kind of took a breather and was like oh my god that was, that was way too much so i didn't have much desire to compete again for a while. I just kind of trained for fun and, and did the training that I wanted to do. And I've done a few events here and there for fun, but not super competitively. Um, even the Murph was just kind of for fun and a, a natural result of the training that I, I do. Um, but I'd say over the last year or two, I'm, I'm starting to want to compete again a, a little bit, probably never at the frequency I was before. Um, but I still want the competitions I do to be driven by and, and just a result of the training that I want to do. So I'm not going to cater my training to an event. I'm going to find an event that works or makes sense for my training. Um, so I just kind of do, do the stuff I want to do, which for me, frankly, is just getting better at everything. You know, I look for weak spots, look for gaps in my, you know, my physical performance and try to be a little bit better at the things that I'm bad at. Um, is that the best way to prepare for X event? Probably not. Um, but that's just kind of what keeps me motivated in training is trying to figure out what's the thing I'm the worst at and how can I get better at it? Um, which for me, I think, Lately, my running was kind of de-emphasized, so I got a little bit slower, and then I got frustrated and like, I don't want to get slower. I got to get get my speed back. So I've been running a lot more lately. I'm getting faster again. So it's just kind of a tug of war between a bunch of different, you know, physical capacities, trying to over time make them all better. Um, but sometimes it's kind of one at the expense of other, and one at the expense of the other, and so on. Do you ever mess around with the open? Yeah, um, you know, I don't do any of the skill practice. Like I don't train metcons or anything um but i i usually hop in the open for fun um and i don't know if it was last year's or the years year before i did pretty well i think i was top thousand and 20 um 2022 maybe um but it's not something i care about that much i made it to uh quarterfinals last year and then um uh, i tweaked my shoulder doing something um so one of the workouts i ended up not doing um just because i didn't want to screw my shoulder up um but usually I'm I'm good enough to make it to the quarterfinals, but I'm not quite strong enough at the Olympic lifts um, in particular to probably ever make it past quarters unless I really focus on that a lot more. Yeah, they got easier. I think top 25% now get into the quarters, which is like, I don't know how, you know what I mean? That's like a lot of people. Is it now? It was what? it was top 10% before. Um, yeah, they, bumped, I, it, they I bumped it to either 15 or 25. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe there's multiple. I don't even know the structure of it now. But yeah, I was like, I think I was 800 or 900 in the U S or something um, a year or two ago, but we'll see how it goes this year. It's always fun to kind of do those workouts, but I don't really do Metcons in my own training at this point. Um, so I'm a little rusty on a lot of those skills. All right. Well, good catching up, dude. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you, man. And there you have it. That was Alec Blennis. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Go check out Obstacle Racing Media, the other channel I have. If you care at all about the biggest payout ever in obstacle racing history, $480,000, $80,000 first prize in Alula next weekend, Tough Mudder. So not this weekend, but next weekend, the 24th of February. We'll be starting when it's nighttime on the East Coast and nighttime in London. But hey, stay up late or check it out when you wake up. Love you. Miss you. Mean it. I've got to run. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.